Hey, good morning. Isn't it great to be in God's house today? Um, it is such a privilege uh, for my wife, Rochelle, and I to be here. Honey, would you wave a hand? Sitting back over here, she's backslidden three rows, but... Um, it's fun for us uh, and such an honor for us to be here. I, the last time I was at this church, Jack Shell was pastor. So that's a little while ago. Some of you probably don't even know that was back like Betamax days. And, um, but uh, it's a joy. I was raised in this area, I was raised up in Mechanicsburg. And about 25 years ago, yay, 25 years ago or so, uh, we relocated to the geographical center of the United States and the middle of nowhere, Wichita, Kansas. And so it's just a joy for us to be back. In fact, would you guys put the picture of my family up? Here's our whole crew. Um, so for the last 20, almost 28 years now, we've been traveling, teaching on the Holy Spirit. Every week we're in a different city somewhere in the world. Um, the back on the left is our son and, and daughter-in-law, Olivia and Braden, and they are um, pastors in Ashtabula, Ohio, up on the lake. And then in the very middle in the back is our youngest son, Barrett, who is a freshman at Bible College in Texas. And on the end is our um, middle son, Dolan, who's a senior at that same Bible college, engaged to be married, and he's a youth pastor in the same town, and he's preaching today, so pray for Dolan. And, uh, but this is our crew, and all these years, about 300 uh, services a year, uh, we've traveled teaching on the Holy Spirit, but it's awesome to be with you here today. Enough about us, you could care less. But I hope, I hope that you'll pray for us. In fact, as you go out into, what do you call it, the lobby? What do you call it? Is that lobby? Okay. Because I know, like, you know, when you cross the river, they're highfalutin over that away, and it's like the porch or whatever it is. But, but we have our ministry table back there, and if you would grab one of our prayer cards and remember us in prayer, our typical metric through the year when it's like a non-pandemic year is we spend about 80% of our time in North America and about 20% of our time overseas in ministry. And mostly when we're overseas, we're either in Asia or Africa, though we go other places as well. But I hope you'll keep us in prayer as this opens up. We'll be spending, we have to fulfill our Africa schedule from 2020, which got pushed off, and then our schedule that was already there. So we'll be spending quite a bit of time there and out in the Indian Ocean on some islands, Reunion Island, Mauritius, and stuff like that, Madagascar. So I hope you'll keep us in prayer. We really do appreciate that. Finally, um, real fast, there are some books and things back there. We never make a big deal about them, but they'll be a blessing. Um, if you're interested in our subject this morning on Holy Spirit baptism, when Jesus empowers and anoints a Christian, how many of you are Christians? About a third of you. That's good. Okay, so um, glad Pastor raised his hand, aren't you? But um, we have a, a book back there on our subject this morning. It's different material, but it will really deeper answer questions that, that may come up called Want More. It's for people who want everything God has for them, but they just want to make sure they're walking on a biblical pathway to get there. Really helpful. Um, our newest one is this one called Goodbye Chicken, Hello Dove, and it's all about how the Holy Spirit wants to help empower us beyond our fears, not like our fears like Freddy Krueger is chasing us through the wilderness or whatever, um, but uh, which is Pastor's Sermon next week. But, uh, but our fears are like, wouldn't you like to do more for the Lord? You know, but we're, we're afraid that we're going to fail or we don't know what we're doing. That's the kind of fears he's empowering us through. And then there's, we have our kids' book, and there's all kinds of other stuff. There's a cool deal back there. Um, if you like uh, to listen or, or watch, we have, Rochelle has these uh, media cards. They've got a little, it's called the Holy Spirit Digital Teaching Library, and it's got a little flip out, if I can do it here. 
there we go, flip out USB drive, and on there is 25 hours A to Z teaching all about the Holy Spirit, all the gifts, the power of the Spirit, the identity of the Spirit, and you can put that in your car stereo USB if it's equipped or in your smart TV or computer. If you're from Perry County, you can even stick it in your ear. So take advantage of that. All right, hey, all right. Um, so, hey, let's talk for a few moments about the Holy Spirit. And can we put up first the slide that has the boxes on, the blue and the green? So check this out. Um, when we think of the Holy Spirit's ministry, I think it's important for us to kind of just quickly mention who the Holy Spirit is. A lot of people don't really know who the Holy Spirit is. I mean, they've heard of him. They've sung about him. They've welcomed him. But when we think of the Holy Spirit, it's important to remember the Holy Spirit is God's personal spirit. So we're not talking about somebody else. We're not talking, well, you know, I really trust God the Father. I really trust Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, I'm not so sure. I, you know, I've seen what he does to people on YouTube, and it looks like Darth Sidious has gotten a hold of them or whatever. It's not like that. When we think of the Holy Spirit's ministry, it's God's personal spirit. In fact, you and I can't even be saved without the Holy Spirit's help. He's the one that reveals Jesus to us, and he's the one at the moment of salvation that washes us and cleanses us. And though we say Jesus is in my heart, biblically, actually, the way that most correct to, to express it is the Holy Spirit is inside of my entire being from the moment of salvation. So some of the works of the Spirit happen inside of us, and some of the works of the Spirit happen on the outside of us, and the Bible uses those different prepositions. For example, the inward ministry, you've got two levels that all really deal with purity, if you look at the bottom there. Um, the first level, salvation. Okay, let me ask you again, how many of you have given your life to Jesus? Even more. Pastor, 50 people just got saved in that, between those poles, right? Okay. So that is, a, a, we are saved because of the blood and sacrifice of Jesus, but it's through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Then how many know after we get saved, God still wants us to grow in purity? Like when we're born again at that moment, we're as clean as clean can be, but the problem is we keep on breathing and humans can be real crud magnets. You want some proof? Look around, right? Okay. It's just us. We need Jesus, right? So we think of this, um, the kind of the, the theological word is sanctification, but kind of the practical way of looking at it is the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, chocolate, self-control. So all of those things we think about from the moment we're saved until, you know, we stop uh, breathing or the Lord returns. But then the outward ministry of the Spirit is for entirely different purposes. And we're gonna read about this in the moment. We Kind of an oversimplification, but a helpful way of thinking about it. The inward ministry of the Spirit is all for moral purity, to become more like Jesus and less like us. But the outward ministry of the Spirit, the empowering of the Spirit, is all about ministry power. And the reason why we need this, and this is so critical and so important, the reason why we need this is because every Christian is called by God into the full-time ministry. Doesn't matter what your vocation is or who writes your paychecks, if you've given your life to Jesus, you're designed to do more than just, you know, the normal daily duties and finally end up in heaven someday. Um, God's designed us to be functional representatives of Jesus. But the problem is all of us feel insecure or inadequate on probably a thousand levels to do that. 
And I think it's really important for us to recognize this is why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. So like when we hit the top of what we can do and then we stop and we think what we'd like to do for the Lord and what God has passioned our hearts with, because everyone in this room has different passions and compassions that God has hardwired our hearts for, the difference between what I, the maximum I can do and what God wants me to do, that gap is what the power or anointing of the Holy Spirit is designed to fill. And that power and that anointing is for every person today. If you've given your life to Christ, God wants to anoint or empower you with the Holy Spirit. And that anointing or empowering is categorically spoken of in the Bible as on our outer being, like, uh, like the superhero Iron Man. You know, he's like an everyday, normal, everyday guy, billionaire. And then, but when he puts on the power suit, he can do things he couldn't do before. Jesus in Luke 24 talked about Christians, believers, being clothed or enrobed with the Spirit's power. And we'll talk about that in a moment. And there's two levels there. Our subject today, spirit baptism, and then gifts of the Spirit. You can read about those in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 8 through 11. So why don't you stand with me to your feet? We're going to hop right into the scriptures this morning. Stand with me to your feet, and I want to invite you to read these out loud with me, big and bold. This will by far be the best thing you hear all morning, I promise you. How many are thankful for the Word of God, right? And the, just to give some context, the first part we're going to read is the promise Jesus made that um, he had already died on the cross, already risen from the dead, already appeared to over 500 witnesses, getting ready to ascend back to heaven, and he reiterates this promise of the Spirit. The people he made this promise to were saved like you and I are. They had put their faith in the resurrected Christ. The Holy Spirit was living inside of them. How many of you know the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you at the moment of salvation, right? Really important. But he made this promise, I'm going to dunk you, drench you, baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And then the second part we're going to read is the first time that Jesus baptized his followers in the Holy Spirit. You ready to read? Let's look at it together. Once when he was, oh, you got to read out loud with me. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. 
Now, this verse just scratches the very beginning, just crossing the threshold of what it means to be baptized in the Spirit. But how many of you have experienced this and will testify it's a lot richer than crossing the threshold? God always has more for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on people like us. God, you've been so good. You've saved us. You've rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of your dear Son. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your miracles. Thank you for your goodness. And thank you for sending your Holy Spirit's power upon each one of us today so that we can do what you want us to do. We can say what you want us to say. We can act like you want us to act. We welcome your Spirit's presence. And Lord, as always, following your pattern of ministry on the earth, you always taught and healed hand in hand. I welcome you today, Lord, to not only be our Savior and our baptizer in the Holy Spirit, but would you also come and reveal yourself, even during the teaching of the Word, as our healer. In fact, I welcome right now your healing anointing to fall upon this room. I pray, God, anyone that's been struggling with any sort of illness, any sort of issue in their bodies, would now experience your divine strength coming upon them, flooding them, strengthening them, I also ask, Lord, that you would put divine protection upon your people, keep them from getting sick. Let your blessing be on every house here today. Amen. 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 You can be seated if you like. Well, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, you know, there's often so much confusion about him. Um, Some of it relates to his identity because people don't realize for whatever reason that he's God's personal spirit. They think he's like somebody else, you know, like an archangel on temp duty or something like that. But remember, the Holy Spirit, you can read about this in John 16, the only thing the Holy Spirit is focused on is Jesus and revealing Jesus to us in every way, revealing Jesus to people. And so this is his main focus. He wants the character of Jesus to be in us, and then he wants to empower us to reveal Jesus to other people in multitudes of ways. So when we think of this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a definition real quick. Would you give me the definition slide? So check this out. What is spirit baptism? Spirit baptism is the prophesied empowering of the Holy Spirit. You may surprise you because a lot of people just associate the book of Acts with the power of the Holy Spirit, but it may surprise you to know that the very first prophecy in the Bible about people being baptized in the Holy Spirit didn't happen in Acts. It wasn't the New Testament, but it was the Old Testament, and it was way early in the Old Testament. Actually, the book of Numbers, chapter 11, verse 29, Moses himself, the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, says, one day all of the Lord's people will speak prophetically. They'll say the things, spirit-empowered things God wants them to say, and the Holy Spirit will outwardly come upon and clothe all of them. And it's prophesied not only by Moses, but it's prophesied by Samuel. It's prophesied by David. It's prophesied by Isaiah. It's prophesied in Zechariah. And probably most clearly, it's prophesied by the prophet Joel right at the very end. Anybody named Joel here? Good job on the book, right? But uh, Joel's prophecy is actually the scripture Peter uses on the day of Pentecost after this to describe and explain um, all that just happened. He goes, hey, it just happened. And so um, then in the New Testament, it's prophesied in every gospel by John the Baptist. And finally, before it happens, it's prophesied by Jesus himself in Acts 1.5. So there's this major body of prophetic scripture 
before you even get into the book of Acts that this is going to happen and it's going to become normal for Christians to have this empowering. Like, like uh, sorry to follow the superhero motif, but, you know, uh, Spider-Man, whatever, Peter, whatever his name is, he gets bit by the radioactive spider. Well, you're not going to get bit by a radioactive spider, but the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and give you new power to do things God wants you to do, and you don't have to wear spandex to do it. How many are thankful for that, right? Okay. So the prophesied empowering of the Holy Spirit given to followers of Jesus. This is really significant. Spirit baptism is not salvation, right? So this is an after salvation anointing or empowering from the Holy Spirit for ministry. And the Bible is clear this is for everyone, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. So this is not an issue of are you saved or not. How many think salvation is the most important thing that can happen to you spiritually, right? You'd agree with me? So this is not that. Salvation's up here. Spirit baptism is here, you know. It's, it becomes important for you immediately after you're saved so that you can do the things God wants you to do. Um, it's given for the specific purpose of increased inward closeness, and where we get that is not that someone that's not been baptized in the Spirit yet is not close to God. This is not about that. But we get this inward closeness, increased closeness, because the Bible shows us everybody that was baptized in the Spirit was taking extra steps in their seeking to get closer to Jesus. And I, I think we all want to have greater closeness to the Lord. But really, the main outworking of it is increased outward power to help or to minister other people. I think we all know what it's like to kind of miss those opportunities and whether it's by word or deed, you know, do the things God wants us to do, say the things God wants us to say. And, um, you know, like, like that blue book talks about, you know, though the dove of the spirit has rested upon us, how many can testify deep within there's still a chicken lurking, right? You know, and so we kind of, we kind of experience that. So beyond this definition, let me real quickly give you a couple more defining points uh, about what spirit baptism is. And then we're going to uh, just take a, a wrap up with just a quick moment of how to receive this gift and then an opportunity to receive this gift. Hey, it's free gift day here, right? How many know free gifts are good unless it's liver and onions, right? Or Dallas cowboy gear, right? Because how many know that's from the devil? That's really important, all right? Am I far enough where we're still in eagles country or are we on the mesh here? Yeah, I guess it's kind of weird with the Ravens thing going on, too. So when I was growing up, it was Baltimore Colts territory. But anyway, that's because I'm old. All right, let's go then. Steeler, all right, hey, I'm, I'm respecting Steelers. Even though they beat the Eagles, that was really a bummer. All right, go to the next one, please. All right, so, so first of all, spirit baptism is biblical. Now, this is really important because a lot of people kind of view this baptism in the spirit thing as only for like the loud, over-caffeinated people in our church. But the rest of us, we don't need that, you know. But it's not that way at all. It doesn't matter what your personality type is. It doesn't matter if you were, you know, raised Amish or whatever and, and lived in the shoe up the road, which I thought was the parsonage, wasn't it? But um, it's one of those things where, you know, it, it, a lot of people associate this because they associate it with people being expressive or whatever. You can receive and experience spirit baptism um, very 
quietly, very personally. In fact, it is deeply personal if you've experienced this, but it doesn't, it's not going to turn you into someone else in the sense all of a sudden you're going to be beating people over the head with a 65-pound Dake Bible on the street corner. Um, this, this instead empowers you with a greater ability to hear God and a greater ability to be sensitive to the needs of the people around you. And so it's really important that we understand the biblical nature of this. Look at the next one with me real quick. Um, when we think of spirit baptism, um, the term baptize in or with the Holy Spirit is used six times in the Gospels and Acts. You'll notice Matthew, Mark, Luke, John all begin in their prologues with the promise that you will recognize Jesus as the Messiah because he will baptize his followers in the Spirit. Now, in the fifth one down there, Acts 1-5, Jesus has now fulfilled his ministry, died, risen again from the dead, getting ready to ascend to heaven, and he says, we read it, I've not baptized any of you in the Holy Spirit yet. You're saved as saved can be. It already breathed on them in John 20, and the Holy Spirit came to live inside of them, confirming their salvation. But he goes, I've not baptized any of you in the Holy Spirit. That's an outward work but I'm going to. And then Acts 11, 16, maybe the most important scripture of all on this subject, the apostle Peter recognizes and points his finger at a bunch of Italians. Any Italians here? He points his, not one. No Italians allowed here at Wrightsville Assembly, right? Okay. Um, he points his finger at, at these Italians and he goes, hey, the Holy Spirit came on them and empowered them. They had the same confirming sign we had 12 years earlier on the day of Pentecost. That is when someone is baptized in the Spirit. So the apostles' doctrine and practice shows us that it's biblical. But let me show you one more. Look at the next one. The uh, baptism in the Spirit happens five times in the book of Acts. In fact, if you've read the book of Acts, this is the outline. It's five cycles that take place. Groups, or in, in, in Acts 9's case, an individual is baptized in the Spirit, they receive this power, they receive this ability to sense and follow the leadings of God and a greater compassion for others, and then they go and begin to do ministry they never dreamt of doing before as God enabled them you know, beyond their ability to do what God wants them to do. This cycle happens five times, and you see the outward ministry kicking in, taking place, and then it concludes in the Acts 19 at the end there, and the Ephesian revival, which is the biggest revival in the New Testament when about 12 people get baptized in the Holy Spirit and it shakes the, the largest, uh, most significant center of business and, and uh, mercantile in the entire Roman Empire. Amazing, amazing what happens there. So you see this is an important, this is a big deal. This is not like, well, you can have your Christianity with or without heated seats or whatever, you know? It's not like an option. You want aluminum or vinyl siding on your Christianity. It's not like option uh, where you can have velour or leather, you know, kind of a thing. This actually may surprise you, but as we'll look next in a moment, um, spirit baptism is not only biblical, but it's important for us. Let's look at that for a moment. When we talk about spirit baptism being important, um, it may surprise you to know that Jesus not only commanded us to be baptized in water, how many think it's really important for someone that's saved to be baptized in water as quickly as possible after your salvation? That's what the Bible teaches. But it may surprise you to know that Jesus likewise commanded us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. In fact, the command to be baptized in water and the command to be baptized in the Holy Spirit by Jesus occurs the exact same amount of times in the Bible. It's just as important. Let's look at that next one. Hit me the next slide if you would. So check this out. 
When we are saved, the model that happens in the Bible, if you were born again under the ministry of Paul or Peter or James or any of those uh, early apostles, this is what they would do with you as quickly as you were saved. They would get you baptized in water, baptized in the Spirit. Now, I should mention that it doesn't have to happen in that order. I have a one and a two there because there's two of them. But if you want to be technical on it, actually, Peter's preaching in Acts 2 is you need to get saved. And then after you're saved, you need to be baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that was his message to lost people. Kind of interesting. Um, Acts 8, they were saved, baptized in water, and then baptized in the Spirit. Acts 9 and 10, 9 is Saul of Tarsus, 10 is the Italians. They were saved, and then they were baptized in the Spirit, second, and then baptized in water, third. So you can see the order doesn't matter. And then the Ephesians, saved, baptized in water, baptized in the Spirit. I share that because maybe some of you, you've given your life to Christ, but you've not yet been baptized in water. You don't have to wait for the dunking before you get drenched in the Holy Spirit today. But do make it a priority um, because though water baptism and spirit baptism do not save us, they are immediately important for us after we give our lives to Christ. Water to baptism shows obedience and devotion, and spirit baptism is empowering so you can do more ministry. Um, let's look at the next one if we can, please. So finally, um, this is important on this, sub, on this little point here. That uh, what this shows is how long the person had been saved before they were baptized in the Spirit. A lot of people think like, you know, hey, well, so I'm but a mere Padawan, and one day when I'm a Jedi Master Christian, I will, you know, be able to, because, you know, we do the midichlorian blood draw at every church business meeting to see if you're at that level yet where you can, you know, it's kind of normal for people to think this, like there's some kind of ranking or there's some kind of ascendancy or building of qualification. It's not like that at all. You'll notice the longest tenured, most mature Christians that were baptized in the Spirit in the book of Acts were the day of Pentecost, the disciples and other believers who had walked with Jesus. But you notice something similar about the bottom four? They were all brand new, don't know the apostles from the epistles, new converts, Right? This is really important. You can literally give your life to Christ this morning and be baptized in the Spirit afterwards. That's how urgently God wants to enable and strengthen you in your life in every way. And it's so important for us. Okay, let's look at the last one. Spirit baptism is functional. It's functional. Now, this is really important because of all the things the Holy Spirit does, the one thing that he uh, prompts us and enables us to do to pray in a supernatural language, that one is the one that weirds everybody out. They go, man, if he would just, if, if spirit baptism came with filling my pockets full of $100 bills, I would seek, you know? If it came with, you know, filling my fridge full of, you know, Lebanon bologna or whatever it is, you know, if, then I would do it. I used to eat that till I went to the factory. No thanks anymore. All right, so... Um, I use a snow shovel for snow, not for the floor. Anyway, okay. But um, it's, if, you know, if I, if I, if, if there was some, if, if spirit baptism came with the initial sign of a, you know, Maserati in my driveway, I would seek that. But God has chosen a sign to confirm that someone's been baptized in the Spirit that honestly is an, intellectually, an intellectual stumbling block, and he's done it intentionally, so we have to hop over our own wall of pride 
and our own wall of fear to get there, but it also is very, very functional afterwards. Let me show you what I mean. Hit me with the next one, if you would. So the top scripture is the day of Pentecost. We read this a moment ago, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. So other tongues is other in the Greek, which the New Testament was written in, other is heteros, another of an entirely different kind, not like, hey, I took some Spanish in high school, and so, you know, gloria adios. Anybody speak Spanish? I, I, I will always struggle with that because I like Mechanicsburg High School Spanish, um, which probably is not all that authentic, but um, I always wonder, is glory adios like glory? Adios, you know, goodbye, or gloria, adios. Anyway, all right, forget it. But um, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other, heteros, another of a different kind, and tongues is not tongue like the worship leader, Gene Simmons, you know. Tongue is language, it's the word glossa, language. They began to speak in a language they had never learned before. As the Holy Spirit was giving them utterance, That word utterance is confusing to people, and you certainly don't have to understand Greek to understand the Bible. Um, Sometimes I barely understand English, honestly. But this word utterance is the Greek word apothengamai. Apo is the prefix to send, thengamai, data. They began to speak in a language they had never learned before as the Holy Spirit sent them the data to speak. It was like you were in the play and forgot your lines and the prompter's up front going, psst to be or not to be, you know? Or God forbid you're at the political debates and you forget your lines and, you know, you have the, the teleprompter there, you know, or, or you're riding the train or riding the bus or whatever and you got your phone, you're going through and, and you're watching a video, but it's got subtitles on the bottom. They're sending you the data they want you to see in a way that's private and personal to you. So they're trying to help you. This is the idea. They began to speak when the Holy Spirit was on them in a private prayer moment in a supernatural language of prayer. Romans 8 talks about praying in the perfect will of God, not the public gift of tongues that someone interprets. That gift, Paul says, not everybody's going to do it. In fact, few will probably do that gift. Paul is clear. But of praying in tongues, Paul says, I want all of you to do this. A lot of people misunderstand that. This one's deeply personal, deeply private, deeply trusting. Um, and they began to do that one, praying in the Spirit privately when the Holy Spirit came upon them. They began to get the data from the Lord. Now, something happens in the 10 verses between the top verse and the bottom verse. So the top one is Acts 2.4. The bottom one is Acts 2.14. What happens in the meantime they kind of get a little loud. Some of them apparently get a little loud and boisterous, and then it attracts a crowd in the neighborhood, right? And so people come around, and they, they're bilinguals that have come in for this feast of pilgrimage, if you know the story. Um, Jews from all over the world that are multi or bilingual, and they've come in, and they go, hey, out of the 120 people or so here, we recognize, and they list 13 different languages that some of the eavesdroppers recognize. And they said, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in all these different languages, but that really can't be because these people, we can tell by their outward appearance from their clothes, they're from Galilee. So like we think of Jesus from Galilee and being kind of like spiritually romantic and, you know, whatever, oh, Galilee. But Galilee was the derided agriculture fishing province. It was like the bumpkins in Galilee. Who do you make, what county do you make fun of around here? It's that one, whichever one it is. You know what I'm saying? 
I mean, it's that's the idea. It's like, oh, those people. I mean, they're good people. You know, they, you know, they live with the potatoes, and that's just kind of how they live. And but that was what they thought of Galilee, right? So notice then, Peter took his stand after the criticism began to happen, and he raised his voice. And if you know the story, Peter didn't preach in tongues to them. He preached to them in their known language, right? But it was an obvious difference than the denying Peter that happened back in the end of the Gospels. Now Peter was spirit-empowered. He had the subtitles turned on for him, right? And it's interesting because Peter took a stand with the 11, erased his voice, and declared, here in the NLT, that word declared is actually the Greek word apothengamai. It's the same word. It's a very, that word for utterance. It's a word play. That word's only used three times in the New Testament, and it's used twice in 10 verses here. So the reader picks up this idea. Hey, wait a minute. Something's going on. Look at the next slide. And here it is. If, if you can trust God to guide you to speak in the unknown tongue privately, how much more can you trust that God is going to guide your known language to speak to others? It's a supernatural sign to you. The whole idea of that confirming sign of spirit baptism being your private personal ability to yield to God and pray in the spirit. That's something between you and the Lord. Um, It doesn't mean you're any more saved than someone that has or hasn't experienced that, but it does confirm to you that, hey, I'm able to draw near to God. I'm able to get the data. I'm able to follow him in these ways, and I know God's going to guide me. That was my story when I was baptized in the spirit, Uh, baptized in the spirit one night, the next day, led someone to the Lord rather accidentally at a convenience store um, up in Camp Hill and a long time ago. And, um, and then that started a chain reaction. The first 60 days after being baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'd led 27 people to the Lord, not because I'm a great evangelist or whatever, but simply I learned how to find the subtitles. So let me show you what that is. Look at that utterance process real quick, and we'll wrap things up. And then we're all going to pastor's house for lunch. All right, so... When we utterance, that's a you know peculiar word. You probably don't use it unless you're like you know Rudder's Dairy Farmer or something like that. But um, spirit baptism. This is when the first box over here is. This is when you're praying in a moment to be baptized in the spirit. This is how to be baptized in the spirit. First of all, you have to be a Christian, all right. And second of all, you have to take some steps towards Jesus because the Bible declares only Jesus can baptize us in the Holy Spirit. All right. So step number one: pray and draw near to Jesus. How many know Jesus? So you're not praying to someone else. You're not praying to the saint, the plastic saint you bury in your yard to sell your house. You're praying to Jesus, right? So then secondly, that's something you choose to do. And you're going to have to get with it. It doesn't mean you have to get calisthenic, but if just standing there or sitting there like a bump on a log, probably nothing's going to happen. You have to reach out. You have to press into the Lord. And we all know what it's like to kind of be self-conscious and whatever. you got to dive in for a, a minute or two. Usually it takes two or three minutes of pressing in in prayer to get over the hump of being distracted and being self-conscious. You know what I'm talking about? You gotta kind of push yourself a little bit, and, and that's a hump you have to kind of, kind of cross over. But then the second step will happen once you hit that, Jesus will begin to pour out the Holy Spirit upon you. How many of you know the Holy Spirit's presence? I sense him today during worship. That's what you sense when we say, I sense the presence of God Holy Spirit's ministry. He's stirring your inner being where he lives with outward stimulus from heaven. But then the third step, once the Holy Spirit falls upon you, you have to start listening. You have to start looking for the subtitles 
of that supernatural language. A lot of people think that, you know, well, if God wants me to pray in tongues, he's going to have to make me. Well, that will never happen then. But instead, he doesn't make you speak in tongues. The Bible's clear. He only gives you the data to speak in tongues. And so what I've found very simply, a lot of people have prayed and struggled with this for years. It's very simple. Pray with all of your might and fervency. Oh, God, fill me with your spirit. Lord, I want to tell my family about you. I want this new dimensions open in my life. And then when you sense the Holy Spirit's presence coming upon you, which you will, it's guaranteed, when you sense him coming upon you, then shh, quiet down, stop speaking and start listening. But knowing where to listen makes all the difference in the world. Like if you go into Lowe's in the electrical outlet aisle and you buy a box of outlets, like uh, double outlets, um, if you look at eye level, they're in a nicely gift wrap, shrink wrap box for like $11. But have you ever noticed at Lowe's, if you shop below your knees, the exact same thing is in a cardboard box with no packaging for 88 cents, right? It pays to know where to look. The same way with spirit baptism. A lot of people run in. They're like, Lord, I love you. And they're doing everything right, seeking Jesus. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they don't transition from being a poorer outer into a listener. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that's when you quiet down. That's Jesus giving you the green light. And the green light is to listen. But you're not looking in your brain going, hmm, if I were to make up a funny language, what would it sound like? That's not where you look. You look deep inside where he's stirring you, where you sense his presence, and quiet down and relax, and God will start bubbling up inside of you. He'll start turning on the subtitles. It'll be funny words, sound silly. They sound funny to you, but they're a language God's designed for you, unique language for you, and it's between you and the Lord, and you must then choose to do the math. Hmm, those sounds and syllables, they bubbled up inside of me. When the Holy Spirit's there, when I sense uniquely his presence, they came with the presence of God. It's a very different sense of confidence. And then you must take one more step of faith, and you have to begin to speak whatever he gives you out loud. Not scream, please don't scream, all right? Not yelling, but speaking it out loud, even just loud enough that you can hear it yourself. It's a validation to you that you can not only pray until the Spirit of God comes upon you, but then you can hear from God and you can then have the step of faith and the boldness, the bravery to say what he wants you to say. So here's the final part. Check out the next one. This is um, when you're doing ministry. So this is, um, go back one, I'm sorry. It should be a second build out. There we go. So verbal ministry, we'll end here. This is like tomorrow when you're at the Harley Davidson plant or whatever working. And so you're there on the line and all of a sudden somebody walks by and you just, like, you f how many ever felt the kick, like, I need to do something right now from the Lord, right? But most people don't do anything because they're not sure what to do. Here's what you do. You quietly, oh, gee, without anyone knowing, oh, Lord, I just draw near to Jesus. What do you want me to do? I just, I need you so much, Lord, help me. And all of a sudden, you're going to sense the same Holy Spirit that's going to come upon you in a moment. He'll gently fall upon you there at Harley-Davidson. You won't pass out and roll around, speak in tongues, levitate, great balls of fire. God won't do that to you. But you'll sense him, right? Okay? And when you sense him, then you listen. And the same way he gave you the outlandish sign of supernatural language to you today, he'll suddenly give you the words in English to speak. I've had it happen time after time. One little sentence, one little phrase, and that's just the start. And when you say that one, there'll come another one. As you speak them, they'll keep on coming to you. And it'll start guiding and directing your words. He's giving you power 
to be his witness. Sometimes it's to lead someone to Christ. Sometimes it's to open up a door to pray for them or to be caring. Sometimes it's to take the ball all the way through the end zone. And sometimes it's just to move the ball a yard. That's all up to God. But it makes a difference rather than me going, hmm, what should be said right now with all of my knowledge of the cosmos, you know. But instead, you have all of a sudden the intelligence of the Spirit sending you the data what to say. A whole lot better than me guiding you, that's for sure. I want to ask you if you do something. In a moment, we'll set you free, but we want to have just a few moments of prayer. So I'm going to, is it, could I have you stand without everyone trying to sneak out? Is that a deal? All right. So listen, just to put some social pressure, if you try to sneak out right now, everyone will know you're demon possessed and a Cowboys fan. Is that a deal? All right. So with that pressure, stand with me to your feet real quick. Take a stretch. You've been sitting there for a while and barometric pressure today. And if you need to take a big yawn to get some oxygen in there, go for it. All right. I want to ask you if you'd bow your heads with me just for a moment. Father, I thank you so much for your word. You're so good to us. But thank you, God, most of all for saving us. And I pray, Lord, right now that I welcome the ministry of your spirit to come and convince anyone that has not yet surrendered their life to you that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Savior, Jesus is King. And while heads are still bowed, this room over the many decades since this building was built and even prior to that, this church has been so used of God in this region to introduce people to Jesus. And maybe today you've never made that commitment. I'm not going to embarrass you or single you out, but I'd love to pray with you. And this morning, if you say, you know what, I know I'm not living for the Lord, but I really want to. I need his power to overcome the things that are holding me back. And I really need to know today for sure that I belong to God. If you just give me a little wave, I'm looking at you right now. And I'd love just to say a word of prayer with you today. Awesome, awesome. If you're watching on stream right now, um, you can join us in prayer. Would you all look up here just for a second? Can I be totally honest? And then we'll get back to lying in a minute, all right? But can I be totally honest for a moment? You know, we all could use a fresh cleansing from the Lord, couldn't we? Like all the time. And so would you join me this morning? I know it's kind of sleepy and, you know, it's kind of muggy outside and all that stuff. But would you push through those barriers? And would you join me in just out loud giving your own fresh prayer of repentance to the Lord? I don't know about you, but I probably sinned since my donut. Maybe my donut was sin this morning even. I don't know. But would you join me in, and let's ask the Lord just to wipe that slate clean, because in a moment, we're going to welcome him to pour out his spirit upon us. Can we do that together? And this morning, if you're, if you're here and you want to receive Christ as Savior, you can follow my prayer. But if you already know Jesus, please pray your own prayer of repentance, and I'm going to ask you to do it out loud, because praying out loud punches your pride in the face, right? Don't scream, but, you know, lift your voice. You want to pray? conversational level, you want to whisper, that's up to you, but I hope you'll join me, all right? Come on, let's lift our voices to the Lord. If you want to receive Jesus as Savior, whether in this room or watching on the stream, you can just pray like this, Jesus, I give my life to you. I want to serve you, and I confess that you are my Savior, the one who rescues me from sin, and my Lord, the one who will rule over me and lead me and guide me. I need you, Jesus, and I believe you are the Son of God. Wash me clean right now. God, I pray for any believer that's just struggling with overwhelming sin issues or temptation. Lord, that today would be the day of victory. Let your Holy Spirit stand up inside of them to his tallest posture of strength and purity within each believer, I pray. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. 
Thank you for your goodness. Now, all over this room, I want to invite you. Would you just slip up a hand or two or three to the Lord right now? And just lift your voice with me. Can we just begin to welcome his presence? I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence. Oh, I need you so much. Come on, just, just take a moment. We've got time. Just take a deep breath and just draw near him right now. I love you so much, Lord. Yeah, you're so good. You're so faithful. You're so righteous. You're so awesome, God. Thank you, Lord. Now, would you just begin to think of a family member or a friend or a coworker that either doesn't know Jesus or really needs a miracle, really needs intervention from God? And would you just begin to call their name out to the Lord right now? Come on, join me. Allow yourself to, to feel the, the needs of others right now. Jesus, oh God, get me out of my own little world where I'm the center of the universe and put me into yours. I just welcome you, Lord. God, would you, would you use my life to minister to other people? Help me to get above and beyond my fears. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, in a moment that you would just wash over this sanctuary and you would baptize folks in the Holy Spirit for the very first time and others that have yet to experience that, Lord. Um, others that have experienced it, rather, Lord, that you would renew that experience within and upon them. Let it be, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Lord. Now, would you just ask the Lord to empower you to meet that need for that person that you've expressed? I know it sounds like a big order, but we're asking God to do what we can't do. And the reason why we're asking him is because he can. So come on, would you join me? Lift your voice. It doesn't matter how young or how old you are. No one's too young. No one's too old. No one's too this. No one's too that. If you belong to Jesus, you are fully qualified to stand under heaven's waterfalls as Jesus begins to pour the Holy Spirit over your life. Come on. Oh, Jesus, I need you so much. Wash over us. Wash over us, Lord. God, these are such confusing days and such dividing days. And we need ever more the power of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. Jesus, I welcome you right now. Would you just tear the veil between heaven and earth and begin to pour out your spirit right now in this sanctuary? Lord, upon every person, I welcome the outpouring, Lord, rivers of living water flowing right now. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. If you feel bold, you can just ask him right now, Jesus, please baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Just ask him. Just ask him right now. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I need you, Jesus. I need you so much, Lord. With you, anything is possible. Would you wash over? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's it. Yeah. As you're sensing him, just begin to listen deep inside, right where he's stirring. That's where the data is going to come. Your brain will immediately dismiss it because it is a language your brain doesn't understand and doesn't speak, but it's a language that comes with the manifest presence of God. That's how you know. You're not praying to Satan. You're not praying to Mickey Mouse. You're praying to Jesus. And that prompting comes as Jesus puts his arms around you and pours the Spirit upon you. Just begin to let it go. Let it go. Don't be afraid. You won't make a mistake. 
locate those promptings right now. Yeah. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. just a sound or a syllable let it out this is between you and the Lord no one's going to come up with a microphone in your mouth but discover it right now while the promptings are there he's trying to show you that he's going to supernaturally prompt your communication in the days ahead plus you get the fringe benefit of praying in the will of God Romans 8 26 and 27 when you pray in the spirit let it flow let it flow let it flow Lord thank you Jesus you've already received that gift why not take this moment and just stretch your spirit allow that language to flow out of your inner being right now spirit of the lord thank you jesus thank you lord faithful lord faithful While his presence is flowing in this way, the Lord always comes to do more rather than less. And this morning, if you just need a healing touch in your body, just reach a hand straight up to the Lord right now. Reach up to him. Some are still receiving. If you're praying about being baptized in the Spirit, you'll find he moves on you in waves. And he'll give you a moment to kind of reflect and catch your breath. And if you just pray again, he'll pour right back out upon you pay attention to those consistent promptings that come to you while the Holy Spirit is upon you but if you need a touch in your body just lift one hand to heaven right now Jesus would you come and do what only you can do and I pray Lord from the mildest most temporary discomfort to the most critical or God forbid even terminal need in this room Jesus, would you pour out your healing grace? Let it just wash over people right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Strengthen your people. Do what only you can do, Lord. Do what only you can do. I sense the Holy Spirit speaking that he's healing people of anxiety and night terrors, panic attacks. There's somebody you sit up at the edge of the bed in the middle of the night and you just beating your chest because you can't get air you just can't get the night panic coming upon you the Lord's healing you that will never happen again I believe in the name of Jesus there's something going on with some kind of a dark haze in the eye on the I see it on the left side there's um, heart rhythm stuff God is just moving by his spirit just receive what he has for you ask him to touch you he's here thank you Lord thank you decisions ask him right now this is the atmosphere to hear oh God guide your people Lord I pray your strongest blessing will be upon your people this week give us the clearest eyesight we've ever had spiritually give us the clearest most uncluttered spiritual hearing to hear and recognize your voice and give us the strongest sense of spiritual bravery and courage we've ever had 
Thank you, God, for coming in power today, for ministering to your people. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Would you just be seated?